Hi, this is Pastor Nelson Mercado. Thank you for tuning in to our podcast from the Nashville First Seventh-day Adventist Church. I hope you are blessed by today's message. Father God, we thank you for the privilege of worshiping you. We thank you for the privilege of reading, studying your word, and uh, we pray yet again, too, that your spirit may be with us as we open your word this morning, that we, you will convict us of the truths that you want us to learn. For we ask this in Jesus' name, amen. In his book, The Gift is in Your Hand, Pastor Tony, uh, Tony Campalo, he talks about a time when he was giving a major address to a women's conference. And at a point in the program, the, the women were being challenged with a several thousand dollar goal for a mission project. And then the chairperson for the day turned to Pastor Campalo and asked him if he would pray for God's blessing on the women as they considered what they might do to, uh, to be able to achieve their goal for that mission project. And to her astonishment, he went to the podium and graciously declined. And this is what he said. You already have the necessary resources to complete this project right here in this room. It would be inappropriate to ask God's blessing when God has already blessed you. The necessary gifts are in your hands. As soon as we take the offering and underwrite the project... Uh, then we will thank God for freeing us to be generous and responsible and accountable stewards. And then they collected the offering. And when they collected the offering, they surpassed their, their goal. And then Pastor Campalo uh, uh, led them in a joyful prayer of thanksgiving. You know, several months ago, I, I had a conversation uh, with a church member. Uh, um, this was sometime last year, in fact, uh, as the year was ending. And, and simply I commented that the time for the nominating committee process was fast approaching. And, um, and, and you know, if you've been in a church for a while, uh, an Adventist for a while, you know that the time for nominating committee uh, can be a, a very stressful time for, uh, for both the church, the church members, and the pastor. Now, if you're new in the church, uh, then uh, the nominating committee simply is that, that committee, a number of members of the church, usually members that have been in the church for some time, that they, after much prayer and, and, and thinking about this, they nominate the, the, the people, the members of the church that will lead the various ministries in the church for the next two years. At least here in Nashville First, we do it every uh, two years. Some churches do it every year. Now, you may ask, well, Pastor, why is it that the, the, the time for nominating committee is, is such a stressful time? Well, I'll tell you, in my experience, the reason or one of the reasons it could be stressful is that, is that getting, getting the church members to, to volunteer their time and their energy and their resources and their gifts can be like pulling teeth. It's hard. It's hard. Now, in the last two years, uh, um, it's no secret that the last two years have been very challenging for the church. And not, not, we're not talking just about uh, uh, this church. We're talking about the church at large. I mean, even you know, Christianity at large. It's, just, it's been hard. It certainly has been hard. But it certainly has been hard here in Nashville first as well. 
uh, in the last two years, in fact, if you were to look around you um, uh, in, on any given Sabbath, you will notice that there is about close to 50% less people that are coming uh, to church on a weekly basis every Sabbath. And again, this is not uh, unusual, uh, I would say. Uh, uh, it's not only in our church. This is happening across uh, uh, some of the Adventist churches and, and Christianity in general. It's happening. Yeah. And, and one of the things also, uh, the reality is that we have lost a lot of members, a lot, a lot of the, the leaders, that uh, people that have had um, positions and leadership in the last couple of years uh, for various reasons. I'll do the pandemic or all the other social issues, uh, politics, you name it. Uh, uh, they're no longer with us. And you know, uh, I mentioned this before. When, when events and ministries and, and great services happen in the church, they just don't happen by accident. They, they just don't fall from the sky, as it were. They happen because members of the church are willing to dedicate their time, to dedicate their gifts, to dedicate their, their energy, their resources for these things to happen. They don't happen accidentally. For the work to take place, people need to volunteer. They need to use their gifts. And, and because this is so important, God has enabled us with special abilities. Yeah. So it, it, it's up to you to want to use the gifts that God has given you to help advance his agenda. But I want to tell you today, as, as the story of Dr. Campalo uh, suggested, that the gift is in your hand. The question is, what are you going to do with it? What are you going to do with it? So we're going to talk about spiritual gifts today. Now, the subject of spiritual gifts is addressed by the Apostle Paul. In fact, he, he addresses it in three letters that he wrote. He, he addresses it in Romans chapter 12 in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, and in uh, Ephesians chapter 4. He addresses the subject of spiritual gifts. Now, you may wonder, well, pastor, what is a spiritual gift? Well, a spiritual gift is a, a special ability, something that you can do. Yeah? It's not something that you necessarily have to go to school for. Uh, uh, it is a, a gift that the Holy Spirit gives you, an ability that the Holy Spirit gives you. Now, spiritual gifts are you know, divided in two, if you will. There's, there are two major categories, I should say, of spiritual gifts. You have the nurture gifts. These are the gifts that, that people have that, that are for the nurture of the church, for, for helping us, for bringing unity, for meeting our own needs here in the church. And then you have the outreach uh, gifts. Obviously, these are the gifts that helped us to, to do outreach outside the church, to bring people to the cross, to the, tell them about the gospel, to proclaim the, the three angels' message, to meet needs outside the church. These are the outreach uh, uh, gifts. And you know, these gifts are important because the, the population of the world is exploding. In fact, I, I mentioned this a few weeks ago. You may remember uh, the topic uh, of the of the missing power club. We were talking about the Holy Spirit, about how important it is to be connected to the Holy Spirit. And one of the things I, I, I mentioned is that every day we fall behind in reaching the entire world with the gospel, with the three angels' message. Every day we fall behind by over 242,000 people every day. And when we take into account the people that are born each day versus the people that, that die each day. So the task is overwhelming. It cannot be made by human effort. 
We need the Holy Spirit. And if, in particular, we need the gifts that the Holy Spirit has given to each one of us to, to accomplish this task. You know, ultimately, we need a Pentecost-like experience for this to happen. But make no mistake, it's going to happen. It's going to happen. And you know, when, when we do not use our gifts for the advancement of the cause of Christ, we are the ones going to miss out, uh, to miss out because, again, it's going to happen with or without us. With or without us. But, but, but if, if you don't participate, then you are missing out on the blessing that will be to you and how God wants you to be a blessing to others. But it's going to happen, and it's going to happen not by might, not by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord Almighty in Zechariah chapter 4, verse 6. By the spirit of God. And, and that's the same Holy Spirit that gives these gifts of service to help us serve others, to help us advance the cause of Christ. Now, uh, the Apostle Paul mentions uh, a number of gifts. In fact, he, he mentions about 30 different gifts in, in the three letters that I mentioned, Romans 12, Romans 12, 1 Corinthians 12, and Ephesians chapter 4. Uh, and some of the gifts that he mentions kind of overlap. But I want to quote uh, you uh, from Ephesians chapter 4, and verses 7 and 8. Ephesians chapter 4 and verses 7 and 8. And the Bible says, But to each one of us, grace was given according to the measure of Christ's gift. Therefore, he says, When he ascended on high, he led captivity captive and gave, and gave gifts to men. And I want to emphasize there, point out, that Paul says that, that these gifts were given to everyone. Uh, verse 7, to each one, to every person. And, and he mentions, of course, he, gives the, he gave these gifts to men. The word men there uh, is from the Greek anthropos, which means humanity. So the point is that, that God has given these gifts to every person. There are no exceptions. And I know I've shared this. I mentioned this before, that, that every one of you has at least one gift. There's no exception. You cannot say, well, you know, Pastor, I think God forgot when, when, when my t- turn came around. He didn't give me a gift. No, no, no. That's not biblical. According to what Paul says, every person has a gift, at least one gift. Some of you have many gifts that, God, that the Holy Spirit has given you. So this morning, I, I want to briefly uh, touch on these three letters that Paul uh, mentions the spiritual gift. And we're going to start with the book of Romans. We're going to start with the book of Romans. And just as a matter of summary on the book of Romans, uh, obviously the book of Romans uh, uh, tackles the, the, the theme of righteousness by faith. Righteousness by faith. And so Paul begins by pointing out that the entire world is condemned in sinfulness. In other words, we are all sinners and come short of the glory of God. And he addresses that in the first three chapters of Romans. And then he, he talks about, uh, he brings Abraham into the picture. Abraham as an example uh, of salvation by faith alone. He talks about both Abraham and David in chapters 4 and 5. Then he goes on to show the process of sanctification that follows when, after we've been declared righteous uh, uh, by, by faith, by faith in Jesus, we've been declared righteous, we we've, uh, uh, are saved, and so the process of sanctification, that spiritual growth that follows that, and then he addresses that in chapter 6 through 8, 
And then Paul concludes, he concludes his major theme by describing how Israel fits into this great puzzle of the new age in, in chapters 9 through 11, in which he commissions all who believe, both Jew and Gentile alike, to take the gospel to the world. Now, scholars will tell you that, that in the first 11 chapters of Romans, Paul addresses the theory of the gospel or the theory of salvation. And then from chapters 12 on, he, he addresses the practical part of salvation. In other words, how should we live because we are saved? And if you look at Romans chapter 12, verse 1, you will notice that Paul starts with the word, therefore. Therefore. This word, therefore, is, is a bridge word, a bridge word that connects what he said previously to what he's about to say now. A bridge word. So, in essence, the moment we give ourselves to God and receive the gift of salvation, as we'll see, the Spirit adds these gifts. And so many people are, 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 are sort of aware that, that, that Paul develops this theme of, of salvation in the gospel in the first 11 chapters of Romans. But when it comes to chapter 12 on, he, they sort of forget what he talks about, that practical side, and how he includes these gifts. So notice Romans chapter 12 and verse 1. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies as a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. So again, uh, the, he starts, I beseech you, therefore. This word beseech is like saying, I beg of you. In other words, because of what I talked about already, because of the salvation that, that you've accepted, that I just addressed in the first 11 chapters, therefore now there's a response from us. Right, a surrender of giving our best to God, right? This is what he's talking about. And then, notice what he says in verses 3 through 6. For I say, through the grace given to me, to everyone who is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly, as God has dealt to each one a measure of faith. For as we have many members in one body, but all the members do not have the same function. So we, being many, are one body in Christ and individually members of one another. Having then gifts differing according to the grace that is given to us, let us use them. Notice he, he addresses these gifts, that, that God gives gifts to everyone. And because he has given gifts to everyone, let us use them. It's no of no benefit to, to you or to anyone if you have a gift, and again, everybody has at least one, but you keep it to yourself. You know, if you're, if, if you're a singer, if you, if you can sing, and you know you can sing, you have that gift of singing, but, you, but if somebody asks you to sing, oh, no, I, I don't want to, I'm, I'm not going to, it's not benefiting anybody. The reason God gives these gifts is because he wants us to use them, to use them for his glory and the advancement of his cause. And this is what Paul says, use them. So how, one of the ways we respond to the salvation that God has given us is by using the gifts that he has given us as well for the advancement of his kingdom. And then we move to 1 Corinthians, where Paul also addresses this. And, and he addresses the subject of spiritual gifts by tying it to uh, unity in diversity, certainly applicable to our church because we are a very diverse church. And notice what he says in 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and verses 4 through 6. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 4 through 6. 
There are diversities of gifts, but the same Spirit. There are differences of ministries, but the same Lord. And there are diversities of activities, but it is the same God who works all in all. So notice first, uh, Paul says that there are, there's a great variety of gifts that God gives. And, and this is important that we understand that there's a variety of gifts because these gifts are meant to address the needs of the church and the world. You know, some people have been misled to think that uh, because Paul mentions only about 30 different gifts, that oh, that's, that's, that's all the gifts there are. But the gifts that Paul addresses that he mentions in these three letters are gifts that were needed in the church back then. And the church needed them. The way they, they, they addressed the needs of the world was through these gifts. And, of course, these gifts that he mentions also benefit us today. However, today, the needs of our world are much different. Today, the gifts can include things like computer programming or printing or, or audio engineering, you name it. You know, gifts that were undreamed of in the times of Paul, but because the time has changed. And so there are different gifts different kinds of gifts given by the same Spirit, by the Holy Spirit, right? God gives these gifts for service. And so when we come to Jesus Christ, when we accept the salvation, when we decide to to become a disciple and to enter into ministry, the first thing we need to do, friends, is to become aware of what gifts that we have. When you come to Christ... When you decide, I'm going to be a disciple of Jesus, you need to learn, become aware of what gifts do you have. Because as I said, everybody has gifts. God has given gifts to everybody. Become aware of them. Because when we serve with these gifts, we're going to be more effective. We're going to be more confident. We're going to have more success. As God's servants and members of his church, we are equipped and commissioned to do whatever needs to be done to do the work of God. Whatever needs to be done, don't hold back. God has provided a limitless pool of a unique abilities to ensure that the church can advance his agenda. So again, the first thing you do in order for you, uh, once you accept that Jesus, is to become aware of the gifts that you have. That's the first thing. Now, the second thing, uh, it would seem obvious, once you uh, uh, become aware of the gifts that you have, then you are to look for the opportunities to use the gifts that you have. What opportunities are out there that you can use them? And of course, you can do this individually, but also in the context of the church. Because as I said earlier, when things happen in the church, when there's great activities, when there, there's great ministries, where things are happening, they happen because people volunteer. You know, I find it that, that it is easy uh, for us to be very critical at times. In fact, I remember during the initial stages of the COVID pandemic, you know, uh, we had closed in March of 2020, but we opened, not, um, we started doing worship services not long after that. And then we, we officially opened in September of 2020, but those of you who, who would come remember, there was just only about 50 of us. We would have Sabbath school, but we didn't have... Uh, children's Sabbath school because we didn't have the teachers. The, uh, uh, most of the teachers were still not coming. But do, I do remember uh, a conversation I had with a church member because this church member was going to a different church, uh, even though we were open officially. They, they were going to another church because that other church had some children's programs and, and Sabbath school. And I, and I mentioned, well, we, we would love to have a, a, a children's Sabbath school in our church but we don't have the teachers, the teachers are not here. And so I asked him, listen, would you be willing to help out with that? And 
This person said no. You know, he, he, he wanted for us to have the children's, uh, some kind of activity for the kids, but wasn't willing to volunteer to help out. And that's what, that, that's what sometimes we find out. And so again, when things happen in the church, it's because people volunteer to use their gifts and talents so, so that the, 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 uh, the cause of God is advanced, so that the mission goes on, so that things happen in the church. Now let's go to the book of Ephesians. In Ephesians, again, Paul addresses the subject of spiritual gifts. Ephesians chapter 4 and verses 11 through 13. Ephesians chapter 4 and verses 11 through 13. And he himself gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, and some pastors and teachers for the equipping of the saints for the work of ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ till we all come to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God to a perfect man, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. Now, the, the, the gifts that Paul mentions here in, in Ephesians chapter 4, you probably notice that belong to spiritual leaders. These are gifts for spiritual leaders, but their purpose is the same as what he talked about in Romans 12 and in 1 Corinthians 12. It is to prepare the church, to prepare the church for the work of ministry and to edify the church so that the church can advance the cause of Christ. That's the purpose. And you will notice as you look at the three chapters, these three books that he, he, he talks about spiritual gifts, that Paul uses the metaphor of the body, of the human body. Each part, or, or each member, as he calls it, has an important part to play. And for things to work fine, for the finest functioning, each member must work and work together with one another. When we enter into service, friends, uh, uh, having received Jesus, when we use our gifts in his service, we become more and more like him, like our servant master, like our servant model. Imagine that, that you can become like Jesus, that you can become a reflection of Jesus. Yeah. You know, Paul uh, warns that the works of the law can never make us righteous like Christ, but works of service. Through the Spirit, uh, the gifts of the Spirit uh, invite us into a fellowship in which our attention is taken from us and focused on Jesus. And in the process, we become changed. We're transformed. Our characters develop. We grow spiritually, and we become more and more like Jesus. And that's what I want, don't you? Don't you want to be like Jesus? And that's how we do it. That's how we do it. In the book, Christ's Object Lessons, page 328, Ellen White observes, we surrender ourselves, she says, to him with all that we are and have. These gifts, he returns to us, purified and ennobled to be used for his glory in blessing our fellow men. So again, she, she sort of is agreeing with what Paul is saying in Romans 12, right? When we surrender, Paul talks about by, by giving our bodies as a living sacrifice. She talks about surrendering ourselves to him. We give him all that we have, and he in turn gives these gifts to us, right? And, and, and at times, you know, you could argue that you have special talents that you were born with, but when you accept Christ, he, he sort of returns those talents to you so that you can use them as spiritual gifts 
for service, to advance his cause, to meet human needs, to advance his kingdom, and in the process, he is glorified. But we've got to use the gifts that he has given us for the purpose that he gives them. You know, there's a story of a tragic event that took place uh, many decades ago, I believe it was in the 70s, in the, on the streets of New York. Uh, a lady by the name of Kitty Genovese was slowly and brutally stabbed to death. Now you may wonder, well, how's that, you know, strange that the kind of thing happens in New York all the time. But th- this is what was uh, uh, strange about it. At least 38 of her neighbors witnessed the attack and and heard her scream. 38. In the course of the 90-minute episode, her attacker actually was, was frightened away only to return later and finish the job. 38 people witnessed that, and yet not once during that entire period did any of her neighbors assist her or even call the police. And the implications of this tragic event shocked America. And it stimulated two young psychologists by the name of Darley and Latane to study the conditions under which people are or not willing to help uh, others in the case of an emergency. And in essence, they concluded that responsibility is diffused. See, the more people are in, in an emergency the less they are willing to help. And and this has become known as the bystander effect. Maybe you've heard about it. The bystander effect. And and actually, in in, in their actual experiment, when one bystander was present, they found 85% offered help when one bystander was present. When two were present, 62% offered help. When five were present, then it decreased to 31%. So notice, the more people are there the less likely they do um, they help. In other words, it's as if they pass the buck. They assume somebody else is going to help. And you know what I found? I think that this bystander effect happens in the church. Happens in the church. You know, again, during nominating committee, once the, the committee finishes its work, um, we, we go on to call uh, the members that have been uh, nominated for the various ministries and, and uh, well, you know, the nominee can be uh, uh, um, nominated for this position. Are you willing to take this position? And a lot of times, um, a lot of times we hear, no, we, we can't do it. We can't do it for this reason. People have their different reasons. Well, I just don't have the time to do it anymore, or, or I'm busy with this, or, or I don't want to do that, etc. And, and a lot of times they don't feel guilty because they assume that somebody else is going to do it. Well, you know, I said no, but I'm sure somebody else will do it. But the problem with that is that that somebody else thinks the same thing. Oh, somebody else will do it, and then somebody else will do it. We'll keep passing the buck, and what, and what happens eventually is that nobody does anything. The bystander effect. It happens in church, too. You know, in the last days, Jesus will commend the redeemed for the fact that they showed compassion that they served others, and that they used their gifts to help advance his agenda. And there's no better evidence that we have been uh, uh, saved, that we've established that close, intimate relationship with Jesus, that we use the spiritual gifts that we have received for the service 
that we all have been called to do. You know, after that conversation that I had with that church member I mentioned to you earlier, the, the comment from the church member was, well, I guess we're just going to have to start praying right away for that. And I agreed. And this was, again, sometime last year. And I've been praying for that ever since. Praying for the, for, for the nominating committee process, but not only the process, but specifically for you. So that God would convict you so that the Lord convicts all of us to use the gifts, to dedicate our time, to dedicate our resources, to work for his cause. Because, friends, quite frankly, it is an honor to work for God. That's how we should see it. It is a privilege that we can use gifts that he has given us in the first place and dedicate it to his cause. And as we know, when we use the gifts that he has given us, they're multiplied. That's what we learned in the parable of the talents in Matthew 25. But what happens when we don't use the gifts? We lose them. So I've been praying for you. I've been praying that God will convict all of us because the gift is in your hands. The question is, what are you going to do with it? Now, some of you will will say, well, pastor, I I just don't know what my gifts are. It's it's, It's a good question, I suppose. Now, as a, as, a, as a way of disclaimer, I will say that two years ago, we, of course, did nominating committee two years ago. So before uh, we, we did nominating committee and before we actually closed because of the pandemic, um, I preached on this. And actually, I gave out, we gave out here a, a, a spiritual gifts inventory. We gave it out to everybody. And, and, and actually, I believe we posted it online, too. And the idea was... Uh, what, I, what I gave out was a, a, a self-evaluation. So you evaluate yourself to see what kind of gifts you are, you have. And then I gave out a, an assessment, three different assessments that you were to give to a friend, a family member, somebody that knows you, and they were to evaluate you and, and find what gifts they thought you had, and then you would put the results of both of them together, and then you would turn that in so that the nominating committee would know what gifts you have because that's important information for the nominating committee so that they will place you in, in, in ministries where you will use the gifts that you have. But unfortunately, you know, one thing that I have learned over the past 10 years is that it seems like the saints don't like to uh, fill forms, especially if you have to uh, uh, you know, turn them in. You don't like to fill forms. I found that out in, in, in the various churches that, that I've pastored over the last 10 years. And so... What I've decided this time is that I'm going to give you another spiritual gifts inventory. I'm going to give you a self-assessment so that you will evaluate yourself to see what kind of gifts you have. Now, now the idea, of course, was that we were going to give them out today, but we'll have them next week for you so that each person, if you want to, you can take that home and do a self-evaluation to see what gifts you have. Because remember what I said earlier, when we accept Christ, when we come into his service, the first thing we need to do is to uh, become aware of the gifts that we have. And then once you are aware of the gifts that you have, then you look for opportunities to serve in ministries where you will use those gifts. And so next Sabbath, be aware, next Sabbath, remember, we will have these spiritual gifts uh, for you that you can take one home and, and do the evaluation and, and, and keep that information so that, what, that way you always know what your gifts are. Now remember, when you, when you invest the gifts 
into God's service, God's going to give you some more gifts. So uh, it's always going to change. You're going to develop. God's going to bless you with other gifts that you can use in in other forms of ministry. Now, again, it's very important you become aware of that because when we serve others through our spiritual gifts, we will enjoy our ministry because we all derive pleasure from doing things that we're gifted to do. When we serve others through our spiritual gifts, we will bless them, and their appreciation will be an affirmation that we have used our spiritual gift well. When we serve others through our spiritual gifts, we will, in general, enhance the ministry of the congregation, and there will be unity, joy, and progress in the body of Christ, and of course, in in God's kingdom. Again, in the end, we know that Jesus is, is going to say to all those gifted souls, uh, what we read in Matthew 25, verses 34 and 40, Come, you blessed of my Father. Inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. Surely I say to you, inasmuch as you did it to one of the least of these, my brethren, you did it to me. So friends, the gift is in your hand. What are you going to do with it? I hope that your desire is to invest it, use it for, for the cause of Christ. Bless others, be blessed yourself, and advance the cause of Christ. That's what we ought to do, and I hope that's what you do. Thanks for joining us. If you're ever in the Nashville area, come and visit us at the Nashville First Seventh-day Adventist Church. We're located at 2800 Blair Boulevard in Nashville, Tennessee. You may also visit us at nfsda.org.